How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to the Elves Up podcast. In episode 12, we're going to be talking about our Eastern Conference trade deadline review. So we're going to go through each team and just give them a grade. So similar to the last episode, but except this time we're going to do it in the East. But before we get into anything, I'm here with my co-host, Keen Kilback. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm a little bruised up today. Yesterday, I went on a snowmobile ride and I fell off a couple times, bruised Ooh. a couple of ribs. It wasn't oh, very good. Oh, man. Yeah, so... But I mean, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's going to be fun to talk about the East and my favorite team, the Penguins. You, so you fell off a couple times. Like, take us through what happened there. Oh, I mean, you fall off so many times snowmobiling, like, because we like I mountain ride to like like on the sides of mountains. Like, it's 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 a lot of fun. But and you're always, like you're always shifting your weight. Like, it's it's a full body workout. And then just a lot of times you just hit hit like whatever just you can't always read the snow and you just fall off <laughs> and on this particular time i just like i had to like pin it like go really fast like full throttle yeah to get over a certain area of snow and then when i got over it i landed pretty hard and then i hit my ribs like on the running board like where you put your feet oh, okay and that that's where yeah that's what like kind of bruised me but yeah <laughs> jeez that sounds pretty tough <laughs> But what about you? How's your uh, intramural hockey going? It's been going good. Uh, I think we've played probably like six or seven games, and uh, I think we're seven and zero right now. So uh, we're firing right now. We got like three lines who are just dialed, but uh, we're getting ready for the playoffs. I think uh, today, when this podcast released, it's our second last regular season game, or maybe even the last one. So uh, we're definitely getting ready for playoffs, and I think the boys are looking to make a run. But uh, speaking of teams that are making a run this year, uh, the Boston Bruins, they already clinched a playoff spot. It's crazy to say that uh, a team's already uh, locked their, their place into the playoffs and it's just past the trade deadline, right? So uh, it's it's crazy for them. But this is truly one of the best teams we've ever seen uh, as far as, as uh, statistically and uh, stuff like that. So it's just remarkable what they've been doing. And I feel like it's uh, this isn't something that we should just take for granted. Yeah, like it's crazy what they're doing. I mean, it reminds me of the 2018-19 Lightning, like before they won the Cups. It's like almost like a dynasty. Like it's it's unbelievable what they're doing in the regular season, but at the same time, like like it's just the regular season. Like it, none of it's going to matter if they lose in the first or second round. So they should just kind of be preparing for the playoffs, and so they don't pull a Lightning and you know choke, get upset. So, but I mean, I'm definitely liking my pick with the Bruins for the cup winners like they're they're definitely looking like they're unstoppable right now and they have the experience and everything on the other hand how are you feeling about your pick the winnipeg jets what is going on with them yeah i knew we were going to get into this sometime this episode but uh and they, people they have went, been coming after people have been went, coming after me honestly <laughs> i've been getting a lot of heat for this lately but uh i think the big thing is they've lost like uh i think it's like nine of their last 11 so they're on a huge slump right now, and coming out of the All Star break, they were just—they I think they won their first three games coming out of the break, and then since then they've just been terrible. But uh, I'm I'm confident that they can turn it around. We've seen how they can play earlier in the season, and they've just added pieces that we're going to be uh, able to com- complement their other pieces uh, once they find some chemistry. So I'm really not too worried about it. Um, but with the rise of the Avalanche we've kind of fallen out of that top three division spot. So we're in the second wild card right now. And uh, we, we're definitely not locked in the playoff spot like like the Bruins are. So, um, you know, I'm not too worried about uh, the Jets, to be honest. I'm definitely 
Uh, I'm definitely not happy about how it's, it's gone the last couple of weeks, but I, I think as long as we turn it around uh, in the next couple of games, if not the next game, I think we're going to be all right. You guys went from first in the Western Conference to the second wild card in like yeah. a month. Yeah. Like you guys, you must have lost like nine of 10 or something. I, I just kept looking at the scores every night and just Jets lose, Jets lose. I was like, man, bro, I won't be happy about this. Yeah, it was crazy. Like it, it was almost like just the perfect storm uh for like the rest of the Western Conference. Like it seemed like everyone got hot. Like Minnesota was like twelve and three. Uh the Avalanche are like fourteen and one in the last fifteen, it seems like. And the Jets are like three and ten in the last thirteen. So like everyone in our division has just been on the uprise and we've just been declining. So um it, it's still early in the year, right? You don't want to pick in March, but uh it, it's definitely not looking too good right now. So I think in the next 15 games, if we can try to figure it out, uh, I, I think we'll, we're going to be all right. Meanwhile, a team that hasn't been winning too much this year, but uh, uh, some individual success out of Vancouver is uh, Quinn Hughes became the fastest NHL defenseman to reach 200 assists. Th- this is a pretty crazy stat. I, I can't believe that uh, he's the fastest ever. You know, you think of guys like McCarr, or even guys like uh, before that, uh, like Coffee and and guys like that. So Like Orr. Orr, yeah, exactly. Not to mention Bobby Orr. Um, but yeah, I can't believe that Hughes is the fastest all time. I know he gets a lot of secondary assists, and I think that's kind of the, maybe the, I don't know. You got to take this stat with a grain of salt because I, I know he does take a lot of, he gets a lot of secondary assists. But nevertheless, uh, fastest all time is definitely something crazy. And uh, yeah, just congrats to him. Yeah, like, I mean, you could look at this like a couple different ways. Like, obviously, it's extremely impressive. I mean, you think like obviously he does get a lot of like power play secondary assists, so that's like definitely inflating his numbers. It probably makes him look like a better player than he is, especially because he's not great defensively. But I mean, you can't deny like he's he's kind of like a modern age defenseman. Like his skating, his transition ability, his passing is really elite, top notch in the NHL. So it, it's pretty crazy. I didn't think I didn't think that he was like this close, or like I didn't think he would ever beat this. So it's pretty crazy. Two hundred assist in 263 games so far like that's unreal for a defenseman moving on now to uh the philadelphia flyers uh they fired their gm chuck fletcher and they uh hired intern gm uh danny Breer. so uh definitely a local legend uh there and uh we'll see if daniel Breer kind of becomes uh the face uh, of that uh of the flyers front office or if it's just kind of a part-time thing but um i don't think Breer has too much front office experience if i'm not mistaken so this would definitely be kind of you know, uh, his first big opportunity. Yeah, I think in the last year or two, he was just hired to be like an advisor of the GM. Like, I don't know exactly like his responsibilities or anything. He was kind of just helping out. And now they hire him as interim GM. So, you know, we'll see. But I mean, you look at a guy like Martin St. Louis, who didn't have much experience. And, you know, I'd say he's doing a pretty good job as a coach over in Montreal. So it's not, I think it's nice to see that, uh, you got some new faces. It's not just like the old recycled old heads, you know what I mean? Just coming in, replacing each other, different teams to the point where all the old guys have GM for five different teams at one point. So uh, it's nice to see a new face. Hopefully he stays. I know he's just the interim GM, so hopefully he stays. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think any Flyers fans would complain about uh, one of their favorite players probably of all time, uh, if not their favorite player of all time, becoming the, the face of that uh, that franchise on the front office. But um, I was also going to bring up Marty St. Louis, but 
I feel like um, being head coach and GM is just completely different. You know, like head coach, you can more is more skill. You know, it's 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 a closer relationship to the players. Where, where GM, it's more financially making things work and putting a team together that uh, you know like can uh, obviously be like a playoff team. And I don't think the Flyers are anywhere near that. So he's gonna have a big job of trying to rebuild this team and um, also just like asset management, just like uh, looking past this year. You know, Marty St. Louis, he, he's only he's just trying to win hockey games for this year. And uh, that, that's a, definitely a lot easier than what Danny Briere is going to be going through and uh, thinking about the next couple of years. Because I, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Flyers probably aren't going to win a cup in the next five years. So they're going to have to build their assets and build their draft, uh, their draft stock and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like coaching and like general managing is very different. Like you think of St. Louis, like you said, it's it's like it's almost like he's just using his experience of being an NHL player and, you know, kind of taking the good from all the different coaches he's played for and then, and, and like all the things that he's learned and him as a player. And then he puts that into coaching to teach these players. But for a manager, it's a lot more business, right? Which, you know, an NHL player probably doesn't have that much experience in that area. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Briar does. Are there any players in the NHL right now that you can see, becoming like a stellar GM, like like a Joe Sackick or a Steve Eisman, just kind of like a pure hockey mind, because I, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head, because I feel like a lot of the best players in the league, like Crosby and Ovechkin, and even McDavid, I feel like they're going to step away from the game from a long time. You know, they kind of have a, a quieter personality. Not saying that they aren't great hockey minds, because I'm sure they all are, but I, especially with Crosby and Ovechkin, I feel like them uh, kind of getting away from the game is something that I can see. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't expect Crosby to ever be like a coach or a GM. I know a lot of people think that he might, but I, I know that he's a very private person. Obviously, like he doesn't have any social media or anything. He doesn't like to do a lot of interviews. So I just think that once he retires, he's probably just going to kind of settle down and it'll be his private life and he won't ever come back to being like a GM. So, but I don't know. I mean, I kind of think of a guy like Bergeron maybe obviously he's yeah. really smart and he, he's like a great person, like a great role model, great leader. So I think he kind of has all the tools to be a GM or a coach, probably a coach more so, but I, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's hard to predict that. Like, you, you know, you can never really know what guys are going to do post-retirement. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely more of a personal thing, but I can almost see uh Bergeron being like a Rod Brindamore in a couple of years, you know, kind of like a guy who was, who played a majority of his career, if not his whole career with that franchise and, goes into uh, the coach position just as a captain of the franchise and won a couple of cups and has some success there. So I, I could kind of see that, actually. That would be awesome. All right. But uh, speaking of the Bruins, it seems like we talk about them every single week because they just can't stop winning. But uh, that's going to be our first team uh, we're going to talk about uh, about their trade deadline. So uh, they made a lot of great trades this, uh, this deadline. Um, this was already a contending team, and they just somehow found a way to get better which is just remarkable to me. But uh, the first trade I think we have to go over is the Tyler Pertuzzi trade. The Boston Bruins acquired Tyler Pertuzzi uh, from the Detroit Red Wings uh, at a 50% retained salary. And in exchange, uh, the Bruins gave up a 2024 first-round pick, which is conditional, and a 2025 fourth-round pick. Uh, so that conditional pick is top 10 protected. So uh, that's definitely going to be a first-round pick, uh, just with that pick being next year and uh, the Bruins aren't going to go anywhere, but um, this is a great trade f- for the Bruins. Um, 
Tyler Pertuzzi, he just fits that Boston style. Hey, like he can he can score, he can fight. Uh, he's gonna be chippy, um, and he, he really just plays on that line that uh, that the Bruins players commonly often do. Uh, you think of Marchand, you think of other guys, even uh, newly acquired Dmitry Orlov also plays on that line. Uh, it seems like they kind of came into this league meaning to play for the Bruins. It's just their style really matches up. So I really hope that uh, Bertuzzi can sign an extension with the Bruins because I-, I think it just only makes sense for him to be a Boston Bruin. Yeah, like, I think the Bruins killed this deadline. Like, like going into the deadline, I had them as a favorites, and then they probably, I mean, we'll see by the end of this, but they probably had arguably the best deadline of any team in the league. I mean, they acquired Orlov, who's a super underrated player. We, we talked about him a couple episodes ago, and he's been on a tear with the Bruins already. Uh, and they got Bertuzzi and Hathaway, like you said. Both of those guys are like pests. They, like, they kind of remind me of guys like Brennan Gallagher or like Corey Perry almost. Like they're just those guys that you need in the playoffs just to stir things up. Like, you know, they always, always have your back. They always work as hard as they can. Those are the guys you need in the playoffs. And I think Bertuzzi is a very underrated player and half retained. He's under two and a half million. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm terrified of the Bruins. Like if I'm not, if I'm any other team. Yeah. Bertuzzi at 2.375. And like you said, for these type of players, it only makes sense that they make the playoffs. Hey, like, Petruzzi's way too chippy and plays with way too much passion to be on the Red Wings when when they're going to be out of the playoffs. If not, they already are out of the playoffs, right? So um, I, I love this trade. And going into the next trade, the Bruins also acquired Garnet Hathaway, Andres Vidalakov, and Dmitry Orlov. Uh, Orlov is also 50% retained, so he's only making 1.275. And he's on an expiring deal, but uh, this left side of the Bruins and just their defense as a whole is just completely stacked. So... Um, Orlov's definitely going to have a huge uh, reason on why uh, the Bruins are going to have success this postseason. And uh, just another guy who's who's won a cup before, too. He won the cup with uh, in 2018, I believe, with uh, Washington Capitals. So uh, just more championship pedigree coming into that locker room. And uh, it's definitely really scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, and going the other way to Washington, Boston gave up Craig Smith a first, third, and second round pick. So... It's a pretty hefty price, but I mean, we already went over this trade. We uh, we're definitely big fans of it, and we think Bruins won out big time on this deadline. And as far as the grade goes for the Bruins, can you just go over kind of our outline as, as to how we graded these teams? If for people that didn't listen to last episode, yeah, for sure. So uh, we have from A plus all the way down to F. So A plus is the best thing a team could do. A is a great trade deadline. B is a good trade deadline, C is average, D is below average, and F is just unacceptable or just like this This can't happen. Um, so as far as a grade for the Bruins, I think it's uh, pretty obvious that this is an A-plus trade deadline for them. Uh, I, I don't really see anyone else giving them anything uh, less than that. Um, th- this is a great team. They got even better. So <laughs> it's pretty scary. Um, I think that's all you can really say about it. Yeah, I completely agree. I, like just the quality of players they got, like Orlov, like arguably a top pair defenseman, like not a number one, but like a good number two guy. And he's going to be playing like even lower down their lineup. Bruins are so stacked. They got Garnet Hathaway, who's probably one of the better bottom six forwards in the league. I don't know if people might not know that. He's, he's great at driving play at both ends. He's a perfect playoff type player. And Bertuzzi, the same kind of guy. 
So and he's really underrated as well. I think he's going to fit in well. So like those three guys is probably a better haul than any any other team this deadline. And you know they gave up quite a bit, but I still think they deserve an A plus grade. Moving on to our next team in the Atlantic, uh, we got the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pretty much every single trade that uh, they've made that's to uh, somewhat relevant, um, we've already covered in the, in the previous episodes. Uh, so we're just going to talk about uh, quickly the the ones that they made. Yeah, like they made a lot of trades. I like the O'Reilly trade. I think that's a great pickup. It sucks that he's injured right now. They had to put him on LTR. That's really unlucky. But I like that trade. The Jake McCabe trade is decent. Like they, they gave up a first and a second. So like, I don't know. That's not great. And other trades are made. They, they got Luke Shen. That's okay. But the, the two trades that I have problems with is the one, the Sandine trade, where like I don't think people realize how good Sandine is. Like he he deserves a way bigger role in Toronto than he got. Like he was he pretty much played as good as he possibly can in a third pairing role, like his whole career with Toronto. And the Leafs just refused to give him a chance in, on the second pair and give him more ice time. So it's great for him to get a chance elsewhere he's already got eight points in four games with the capitals that just shows like this guy he could be like a top pair defenseman one day in my opinion like an offensive guy he, he's so good he's so underrated he's still really young so i think that's a really bad trade for the leafs like i don't know like gustafson is okay but but they gave and they got a first round pick which is all right but i, I just think that's a really bad trade giving up giving up on sandine so early not giving him a chance and then they also gave up angval to the Islanders for just a third round pick, which he's also a pretty good bottom six player. That's not a bad trade, but I don't know. Those trades really bring their grade down for me. Like I'm probably going to go with a C for the Leafs. Like I like the O'Reilly trade, like I said, but I might even go a D like, I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with a C, but like, I don't know. I, don't, I just think losing Sandine is, it's not going to look good in a few years for the Leafs. Yeah, I definitely hear you. Um, I think that for me, this is a B trade deadline for the Leafs. Um, acquiring Ryan O'Reilly was awesome, and acquiring McCabe and Lafferty was great too. But like you said, they did give up quite a bit uh, to the to the Blackhawks for that. And uh, I I think if those two trades, I, I would give them a, an A, maybe maybe a high B. But the one that really solidifies bringing it down to B for me is a Sandine trade. Like you said, he's been super hot, and uh, he, he's still really young too. So like. I feel like the that this is a great piece for the Leafs to to build with, right? And instead, they gave up. Uh, they got Gustafson, who's older, and they got a first round pick, but it's this year's from the Bruins, so that's gonna be the thirty second overall pick, which is pretty much a second round pick, right? So it's definitely a lot less value. And Sandine is a guy that I, I think fits with the Leafs great. Uh, another offensive defenseman. Uh, he's probably the future of the Leafs power play once Morgan Riley leaves in a couple of years as he's getting older. So I really think that the the Leafs kind of missed out on that trade. And I feel like that trade's probably an F. So uh, yeah, I think just when thinking about all that, um, also the addition of Luke Shen in exchange for a third round pick wasn't a terrible trade either. Uh, I think I'm going to give the Leafs a B, um, but just really that, yeah, that Sandine train is just not going to be uh, something that's going to be, be great for the future. This might be a t- hot take here, but I would give up Morgan Riley before I would give up Rasmus Sandin. Really? 
I think that Riley is very overrated. He's obviously amazing offensively, but he's pretty much the worst defensive defenseman in the league. Like, like he's absolutely terrible defensively. And I think that Sandine could eventually develop into what Riley is offensively. He kind of already has in a third pairing role. Like his offensive play driving is unreal, and he's already proving that he can produce. If they just would have given him a bigger chance in Toronto, he's got eight points in four games with Washington. Like, like I, I don't, I just, I just, don't, I just don't get it. Like, why didn't they give him a bigger role? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm kind of lost with that trade. Yeah, definitely a questionable trade. But uh, moving on to our next team, uh, we got the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Bolts only made two trades this trade deadline. Uh, the first one being uh, they received Tanner Janot in exchange for that huge haul that we explained in the last episode. So uh, if you want to get a deeper uh, in-depth analysis about that, go to the last one. Um, but they got Tanner Janot, which is a great pickup, and they got Mikey Isimont in exchange for uh, Vladislav Nemestikov. Uh, they are retaining 50% of a Nemestikov's contract though. So that's, that's not too great. But uh, I think as far as they're great, you really got to think about the Tanner Janot trade. Um, they gave up so many picks and they gave up a prospect in Calfoot, but I think Tanner Janot can be a really good piece for this, uh, for this lightning team for the long, for a long time. I see him as almost like a guy like Nick Paul, where he, he was a great player before, but when he went to Tampa and he surrounded himself with great players, that's when he kind of really, uh, developed his role and really mastered it. So I, I can see Jano being that tough guy, maybe on the second or third line for the Bulls this upcoming playoffs and hopefully the future. So I, I think as a whole, even though they gave up so many picks and the Bulls GM, uh, I forget his name, but... Uh, Julian Breezeball. Right. He was saying that uh, it, it doesn't matter if they give up all these picks because they got a, they don't got a, a long window to win. Like their their time has kind of come, and uh, it's definitely on the decline here in the next couple of seasons. So uh, no, I completely agree with that. So as a whole, I'm going to give the Lightning a B trade deadline. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I'll give him a B rating as well. We we kind of went over the Snow trade last episode. I. I think that he's going to become a good player for the Lightning, kind of like Brandon Hagel, like I said. I think he's going to be a great middle six guy. Could be like a 20-goal guy, fights, just that type of player that's very rare in the NHL. So even though they gave up a lot, I'm all right with it because, like you said, they're in win-now mode. And the other trade, they got Mikey Acemont. I'm a big fan of this trade. Acemont, I think he's very underrated. He kind of came out of nowhere. He was just like a waiver claim it's rare to see like a mid 20 year old guy get called up and play this well but he's been really good he was the best player on the ice in the two games against the penguins when he was on the sharks he, he surprised me so i don't know i think he, he could be a good player for the lightning as well so i'll go with the b yeah the jets put uh mike Eastman on waiver so that's definitely definitely a tough one but um Moving on to our next team, it would have been the Florida Panthers, but they didn't make any trades this trade deadline, so we're going to keep on going to the Ottawa Senators. Sens picked up Jacob Chikorin, as most of you probably already know. Uh, the exchange was huge. They also made a couple other small trades that aren't going to affect uh, this year or the future, so um, pretty much just based on that Chikorin deal, uh, as well as they, they gave up uh, Nikita Zaitsev for future considerations. I'm going to give him a B as well, I think. Uh, I, I like Chikorin a lot, and the huge reason on why this is a B and not a C for me is just the term left on Chikorin's deal. I think he's got like four more years, and he's had a very team-friendly 4.6 mil. So um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. And I, I like Shabbat. I, I like Chikorin. I, I like their young decor. So um, yeah, for me, it's a B. I'm going to give the Senators an A+. 
I know I know that might be crazy, but I mean, I think I'm I'm really high on Chikrin. I think he's like a top pair defenseman, and he's very young, and he's on a great contract right now. So like, what they gave up for him was totally worth it, in my opinion. I think that's a great trade. And on top of all that, they ditched Nikita Zaitsev's four and a half million dollar uh, salary for just they gave up a second and a fourth round pick, but that was totally worth it, in my opinion. And then they get a top pair defenseman for probably less than he's worth. So I'm a huge fan. A plus. Next, we're going to go into the Buffalo Sabres. They made a whole bunch of like minor trades, like one for ones, like prospects and picks here and there. So we're not going to mention all of them, but the main ones we'll mention is they acquired Jordan Greenway from the Minnesota Wild for a second and a fifth round pick. I I think... They probably lost that trade, in my opinion. I think Greenway hasn't been that great, and giving up a second for him, I don't know if he's worth that right now. Like, you could probably just—it's not like the Sabers really need a guy like that now, in my opinion. I think they could have just waited to free agency to get a guy like that for free. So, and they also gave up Rasmus Asplund to Nashville for a seventh-round pick, which I don't know. Like, I think they gave up on him a little too quick. Like, he was a second-round pick a handful of years ago, and. Last year, he was actually really good. He posted great defensive results. So uh, I think just getting rid of him so soon after a good year last year for just a seventh-round pick is a pretty bad trade. So I'm going to go with a D rating for the Sabres. Definitely not a eventful trade deadline for the Sabres. Um, I like Jordan Greenway a lot. The Jets have faced him uh, a lot in Minnesota, so I really got to see him there. And um, I, I think this is a player similar to like a Bertuzzi or Janot that uh, he plays that playoff style. But as far as giving up a second and a fifth round pick, um, I'm not a huge fan of that trade. Just like you said, for the reason that the Sabres don't need him right now. They've kind of fallen out of this playoff race in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so making this trade doesn't really make any more sense. Um, but yeah, as far as the Asplund for a seventh round pick, um, you, you pretty much just threw away a second round pick for nothing. Not often a seventh round pick uh, is, is anything special. Uh, so you pretty much just gave him away for nothing. He's only making 825k too, so it doesn't really make too much sense. So, um, I'm kind of in between a C and a D, but uh, just as far as the direction of the Sabers, they're they're on the they're on the up, you know, they're on the incline, and they're just giving away picks, right? So they got a young team that's looking to build, and they're giving away picks. So uh, just for that reason, I'm going to give them a D too. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Detroit Red Wings. Uh... They, they made quite a few big trades, actually. They they gave up on a lot of guys. They sold big this deadline. They traded Phil Bronick to the Canucks. We talked about that trade. Um, from the Wings' perspective, I think it's a great deal. I think getting a first and second round pick uh, is great, Like especially from the Canucks. Like That pick is from the Islanders, and it's probably going to be in like the mid-10s, like 15, 16, around there overall so and you could get like a good player like it's a pretty stacked draft this year so i'm a big fan of that trade for the red wings they also traded tyler bertuzzi like we just talked about to the bruins for a conditional first round pick top 10 protected and a fourth round pick and they traded jacob Vrana to the st louis blues there was a lot of stuff going on around Vrana recently i know he went to the player assistance program at the start of this year he was a really good player like before, like last year. Obviously, he was traded at last year's deadline, I believe, for Anthony Mantha. 
That's how the Red Wings got him from the Capitals. And he, he started off great with the Red Wings. He's actually one of the better uh, goal scorers per 60 minutes in the entire league over the last bunch of years. Like, So I think he's a very underrated player. Obviously, we don't know everything that's going on with him. So that's obviously why like he was put on waivers and then his stock dropped. So we'll see if he can kind of return to form. And yeah, the other trade, the only other trade was trading uh, Oscar Sundquist to the Wild for a fourth round pick. What are your thoughts on the Red Wings deadline? Yeah, just starting with the uh, the Ronick one. Uh, I agree with everything you said. And I think that one thing that needs to be mentioned is they uh, they got rid of his contract too. Four point four mil was is definitely something you want to get off the books when it's coming from Ronick. And uh, yeah, those picks are going to be very valuable. Um, but as far as the picks that aren't going to be too valuable that they got was. Uh, the Bruins picks that they got for Bertuzzi don't mean anything. 2024, 2025. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of that trade at all for the Red Wings. Um, but like you said about Verona, um, from a pure business perspective, uh, this is a great trade. Like like Verano's uh, a, a very good player. As far as a team perspective, um, you just don't know what's going up with, with that guy. So hopefully everything's going all right. But... Um. Yeah, it. It. I could kind of see why the Red Wings got rid of him, if it's not going too great. So that's definitely something that uh is isn't probably a great sign. But overall, I'm gonna give them probably a D this trade deadline. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm gonna go with a D. I think, like you said, the Verona trade. He's obviously obviously worth way more than that. But we don't know what's going on with him. So his stock obviously dropped a lot. I think they could have got more for Bertuzzi. And the Ronick trade was just kind of decent for both teams, I guess. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a D for the Red Wings. And to close with the Atlantic Division, we have the Montreal Canadiens, who didn't have a very busy deadline. You know, they made a couple minor trades. They acquired Denis Gurionov from the Dallas Stars in exchange for Evgeny Dodonov. We talked about that last episode. It's kind of just an okay trade for both teams. Uh, hopefully, Gurionov can turn it around for the Canadiens. And... Yeah, besides that, not much else for the Canadians. Uh, just for a quick grade, probably just going to give them a C. You know, they didn't really do much. They, I don't really think they needed to from where they are, but I feel like they could have maybe sold a bit more players like for the direction they're going in. Maybe a guy like Edmonton, a couple of their older guys they don't need for the future, you know, and kind of got teams to overpay for them because that's what teams do at the deadline. It's just prices rise. So I think they, they didn't really take advantage of that and get some get rid of some of their older guys so yeah for that i'm just gonna go with a c yeah i i completely agree um i'm also gonna give them a c now moving on to the metropolitan division we're gonna start with the division leaders in the carolina hurricanes uh they didn't make too many trades this deadline but uh, two of them are actually pretty uh pretty good for them in my opinion uh the first one being uh they got yesi poliarvi in exchange from patrick pistula uh going to the oilers I'm not a huge fan of this trade just because Pujarvi's making three mil. So I think that's about it. But I, I, I do believe Pujarvi still has a lot of potential in this league. Uh, he's a young player and uh, he had a lot of expectations playing with McDave and stuff and uh, to put up points. So um, in a smaller market like the Canes and uh, they have a lot of other, not superstar players, I should say, but just they have a really deep team of probably like borderline all-stars. And then they obviously got a couple of all-stars in Svechkov and Ajo that I feel like that, He's going to be able to play with a lot of good players and have a lot less pressure on him. So um, I, I could see this trade actually being better than a lot of people expect. But one trade that uh, is definitely uh, a great trade for them uh, is that they acquired Shane Gossesberg 
in exchange for a 2026 third round pick going to the Coyotes. This is just another, another like, what are we doing trade for the Coyotes? Um, Gossberg, he's making 4.5, so maybe that's why the Coyotes were okay with for getting rid of him for pretty much nothing. But this is an awesome trade for the uh, Hurricanes and kind of just adding another offensive defenseman to that uh, to that roster. What do you think about this trade deadline for the Canes? I think they killed it. Like, I don't know. Like, they might have been just as good as the Bruins almost. Like, I th- I'm going to give him an A+. Like, Kane Gossesberg is super underrated in my opinion. I think he's kind of like one of the better, like, number three, like, defensemen, offensive defensemen. He's, like, a really good second-pair guy. Great on the power play. I think he's worth way more than a third-round pick, probably even, like, a first-round pick, and then some. So, like, great pickup for the Hurricanes. And I'm a big fan of the Pugliarvi trade as well. Obviously, he's making $3 million, which is quite a bit, but he's on a one-year deal, and he's definitely not going to make this much next year. And the Hurricanes have all the captures in the world right now to afford that. And as much as Puyarvi can't score to save his life, he's he's, he's really good defensively. So I, I think he's just going <laughs> to fit in well in that oh, bottom Eric. six for the Hurricanes. So I, I'm a big fan. I, I'm going with an A+. Plus. Yeah, I'm going to give these guys an A. Uh, I think uh, for A+, plus for me, it's it's more about those superstar guys that they that they can acquire. And I don't think any of these guys are big superstars, but nevertheless, huge trade deadline for these guys. And uh, they're going to need it because the rest of the team's that, uh, that they're going to be going against in the first and second round are just completely stacked as well. So uh, one of those teams that they could be potentially seeing in the playoffs this year is the New Jersey Devils. The Devils made a huge trade, obviously, to acquire Timo Meyer, and uh, they didn't really make any other uh, big trades that are really notable or, or worth talking about. So uh, pretty much just off this Timo Meyer trade, uh, I'm going to give them a B. They gave up a lot of assets in exchange for Meyer, and I don't think this was a terrible trade for the Sharks. Um, but yeah, they get Timo Meyer at a 50% retained contract. Uh, they also get a couple prospects and 2024 fifth round pick. Uh, so yeah, this is a good trade deadline for the Devils. So uh, I'm going to give them a B. I think they're right there for A for me, but uh, it could be like a high B plus. But just with our format, I'm going to keep it at a B. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like, in my opinion, the Devils almost went with, like, an NHL 23, like, kind of, where you just kind of, instead of, like, giving, like, a lot of high-value things, you just spam a bunch of lower-value assets. Yeah. And then 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 they got a really good player in Meyer out of it, so I think that's a good trade for the Devils. And they acquired Curtis Lazar as well from the Canucks for a fourth-round pick. I'm going to give the Devils an A. I think... you know, it's going to boil down to whether Meyer resigns or not. But yeah, for now, I'm going to go with an A. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say next is uh, I feel like this grade could depend on uh, what happens in free agency. But moving on to arguably the best trade deadline a team could ever have. Uh, we're going to be talking about the New York Rangers. Whoa. <laughs> this deadline was insane. We talked about this a lot. Uh, when they got uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, it was like, okay. They got their guy. They, they got their dog, you know? But then two weeks later, they find a way to acquire Patrick Kane. Two borderline superstars. Like, Patrick Kane has been a superstar pretty much his whole career. And, you know, actually, maybe not. Maybe Tarasenko is not a superstar, but he's been an all-star for many times in his career. And we've seen what he can do. So this is an amazing trade deadline. 
Uh, I don't care how much they gave up unless it was like Fox or Panarin. Uh, it's, it's pretty much an A plus no matter what. So uh, yeah, for me, this is a hundred percent an A plus. Rangers have had a huge trade deadline, and uh, if I was a Rangers fan, I'd feel extremely confident about going into the postseason. I think the Rangers can definitely get out of the Metropolitan, which would put them up uh, in the Eastern Conference Final against the Boston Bruins. And at the end of the day, playoffs is uh, heavily relied on goaltending. And I know Allmark's having a great year. He, he scored a goal. He's made 55 save performances. Probably going to be uh, the Vesna winner. But it's just Sturkin. He's got way more playoff experience than Allmark. And, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. So, uh, I'd be really confident if I was a Rangers fan. I think that there's this is unacceptable if it's not anything for but an A plus for these guys. <laughs> well, I'm gonna there's give no them way. A. I'm giving. Well, hold That's, on. Yeah. Hear me out. Hear, hear, me, like, out. hear me out. It's an A plus. They, they got Patty Kane and Vladdy. You're letting they got Patty Kane and Vladdy. You're letting their legacy blind you, in my opinion. I just they're, I don't they're think, in a win now. They're I don't in a win think now. That either Who of them cares are about these nearly picks? nearly as good as they used to be. Like I I don't know. I think that they're still great players, and I think that they won both of those trades. I think that they got them for less than they're worth. Like you know what I mean. So I think I definitely think they won both the trades, which is why I'm giving them an A. But I can't give them an A plus just because I don't think they're superstar players anymore. I just don't. I don't think the Kane is going to have all star player level. They gotta be all stars, though. If yeah, but I, I, I mean, Patty Kane. I think Patty Kane could be a superstar alongside uh, Panarin. There, he's having a great year in Chicago when he's playing with Domi and like some random guy. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not nearly as big of a fan as Kane anymore as most people are, and he hasn't been playing very well so far in New York. Same goes for Tarasenko. Even he's got like four goals in 15 games. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going with an A. It's still a great trade deadline. Trade deadline. Don't get me wrong, but I can't go an A plus. I think that's just ridiculous. Uh, Kane's at a 50% retained contract as well. Like this is an A plus trade deadline if I've ever seen one. This is. I think this is the best deadline that I've seen in the last couple of years, just off the top of my head. Wow. I I, I don't have a problem saying that. Like Patty Kane, 50% retained. Vladimir Tarasenko for. Sammy Belay and a couple of picks that aren't going to mean anything because the Rangers are going to be just absolute wagon for the next couple of years. They also got Tyler Mott too that we didn't even talk about either for at 1.35 mil. So like th- these guys are great. And I know that they've kind of had a slow start, but you- you're trying to tell me that Vladimir Tarasenko and Patty Kane won't turn it around. You're trying to tell know. me that. I mean, they the haven't Redman... yet. They haven't looked good at all yet with the Rangers. I just, it, it, I, I think gotta, you're letting, like, I, I'm holding ground on that A. I, I think that you're pretty much everybody else, including you, are letting their their legacy, their names, uh, trick you into believing that they're better than they are. I, I just, I, I mean, I only, only time will tell, but I just don't think Kane is nearly as good as he used to be. I understand that. And I, I'm not saying Patty Kane's going to win you the consummate this year. That's not what I'm saying. But Patty Kane, it's still Patty Kane. All right, like yeah. there, there's there's no reason why he can't score more OT winners this year. He, he's just got that dog in him. But that's what I'm saying, though. Your reason is that it's still Patty Kane. <laughs> so what, what what do you mean, like Patty well, Kane you, at five point two five? Yeah, I, I don't Tarasenko know. Tarasenko at three point seven five. Like they both got fifty percent retained contracts. They got them as cheap as they could financially, and they didn't give up too much for them. I, I see. I see your point. 
honestly, I don't know. I, I'm close to an A plus, but I can't go. I can't go there. I'm, this, I'm holding just, around an A. I, I can't believe that it's not an A plus for you. <laughs> okay, we we gotta I, I move on. We're running long on the that, Rangers. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that like just ugh, it doesn't even make any sense to me. <laughs> All right, moving on to my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Tough. I don't even want to talk about this. Like, can we just move on? <laughs> Probably the, from the best trade deadline to the worst trade deadline. I mean, we'll just go over it quickly. So, to break things down, <laughs> what they did is they waived Kasperi Kapanen, and then they traded Teddy Bluger for a third-round pick. And then they traded Brock McGinn as well. So, three guys from that bottom six. Kapanen, Bluger, and McGinn. They traded all of them just so they could afford Mikhail Granlund, who, and they give up a second round pick for him. I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I'm not a fan of Granlund at all. He He's pretty much terrible offensively and defensively. He, he doesn't even really produce anymore this year. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I'm just, it's just Hextall being Hextall this year, I guess. So. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with an F for the Penguins, to be honest. The Benino trade is okay, but I don't know. The, 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 and then they traded for Kulikov from Anaheim, and they're playing him over Pierre-Olivier Joseph. And Joseph is way better than Kulikov. It's just like I did, like it's just like the Penguins management hates young guys. Like They literally have the oldest team in NHL history. Like Literally, like it's the oldest team by average age in NHL history. It's like thirty-one and a half years. It's 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 embarrassing, and they're just they keep acquiring these guys with experience, and their reasoning is, reasoning is experience. But I don't know. In my opinion, they need young guys like Joseph, who has been unreal for the Penguins. He's a rookie defenseman. They just called up Alex Nylander recently from injuries, and he's been great. I don't know. I just think they need to start mixing some youth into the lineup instead of playing these old guys like Jeff Carter 20 minutes a night. I completely agree with everything you said. Uh, you're the Penguins expert on, on this panel. So, you know, everything you said, I completely agree with. Um, and, you know, they, they got Kulikov at 50% retained from again in the third. It's eh, okay. Like, Grandlin, like you said, for a second, eh. It's like, I feel like they just had a bunch of, like, below average trades. And then they have this Bonino trade. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Benino's going back to the Penguins. Well, the only reason he had success was because he was on that HPK line with Kessel, who was just an absolute sniper, yeah. and Haglin, who was in the prime of its career when he was on the Penguins. And unfortunately for you guys, they're not there anymore. And Benino's old as hell, and he's not going to do anything to push you over the edge. Like, the Penguins are kind of on the outside looking in right now. I feel like, I feel like after this deadline, like they're sitting in a wild card spot. Um, pretty comfortable. I, I don't see anyone chasing them, but like similar to last year, they get into the playoffs, and I know they have a lot of experience with with, with obviously their three headed monster there. But there's no reason why these guys are going to beat the Hurricanes or the Bruins in the first round. I, I feel like as a Penguins fan, you got to start thinking about the future here soon, and that's not what they're doing. They're they're kind of doing what the Calgary Flames do. They do just enough to get into playoffs, and every single year they don't get better because they can't get any more picks. So, as far as Penguins, I agree. I, I'm going to give them an F. Yeah, it, it's hard to kind of judge them 
continuing to go for the win every year, like in win now mode, because I do think that Crosby and Malkin and Latang don't want to rebuild. So like it's hard to for kind sure. of just decide to rebuild and then just kind of ditch what those legendary players want. So it kind of puts them in a tough position. So I'm okay with them kind of not rebuilding just because of that. Like you got to look at it from from that perspective. But I just think there could be so many better ways to go about it. Like, yeah. So it's an F for me as well. Yeah. And they can give up less. Like a second round pick for Granlin and giving up Bluger and like other stuff like that. Like, like they gave away a third round pick for the Kulikov. And like, yeah, they're getting a little bit amount of picks. And yeah, they're getting NHL guys that can play for them right now. But like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. And the worst part is that Granlin makes five million, yeah, for two more years after this year, and he's thirty-one, and he's not even worth two million right now. Like I just, and the worst part is that we gave up three bottom six forwards that you could argue are just as good as Granlin, and then a second-round pick to get Granlin, who's making five million. I think that's sure. literally like, it's not just the trade, like it's also what we did to make the trade happen is give up guys like Bluger, who's a great team guy, a great penalty killer. We, we pretty much got rid of half our penalty kill, half our bottom six for one guy who's 31 makes 5 million for two more years. And he's pretty much just washed. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know I'm being hard is. on Granlin. It's not Granlin's fault. You know, it's Hextall. It's not so, his fault. He sucks. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, Hextall is running his team into the ground. He's, he's ruining, the the big three's last end of their career here. And after all of what you just said, I feel like it's kind of coming full circle here. And I think what we've realized after all this is that the Penguins need to fire Ron Hextall and Hextall goes back to where he belongs with the Philadelphia Flyers. Exactly. I think that's what, that's what we've realized. He goes back to Philly where he belongs. It's never made sense to me why he's with the Penguins. So... Maybe that maybe that's what happens here soon. I, I I've hated Hexall ever since he got hired and made the very first move that he made was protect Jeff Carter in the expansion draft and trade Jared McCann. Yeah, like, that was smart. Nobody believes me when I say this, but at the time I was begging that they protected Jared McCann because I mean I've talked about it before. Um, I like analytics. I, I value them, and McCann was very good analytically. And what do you know? We trade him for nothing just so we can protect Jeff Carter. And now look, Jeff Carter's terrible, and Jared McCann is probably the most underrated player in the league, getting 30 goals and 70 points every year. So, anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Carter, nine goals in 63 games this year, so definitely not something you want to rely on. But going into our next team, we got the New York Islanders. They only made two trades uh, this trade deadline, the first being the Bo Horvat deal. Uh we went over this, it feels like a long time ago, this deal was made on January 30th, so almost a month and a half ago. And then they made the Pierre Engvall trade, and they acquired him uh, in exchange for a 2024 third-round pick going back to Leafs. So, um, yeah, pretty kind of eh trade there. Uh, but, yeah, I like the Horvat deal a lot, and especially now that we know uh, they got locked up for a long time. You know, Lou might not be the, the biggest fan of that, but they got him locked up for a long time, and uh, that definitely impacts the grade. So I feel like for the Islanders, I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, I got to go with a C for the Islanders just because they, by acquiring Horvat, they had to pay him after a career year. 
we talked about this even before he got traded. We knew he was going to get paid, and he's just not an eight and a half million dollar player, which is like what he got. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's the smartest play to trade for a guy having a career year on an expiring deal because you're probably going to overpay because he's never going to replicate the year he's having. So you're going to trade for him while his value is at his highest. You're going to give up probably more than he's going to be worth in the next bunch of years. And then you're going to sign him to a deal for also more than he's going to be worth in the next bunch of years. So yeah, for that reason, I'm going to go with the C. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, but I feel like we can't just assume that he's not going to be good for the rest of his career. You know, like, He's not going to fall off. Anymore. Yeah, like, but I mean, I don't I, think I he's going to hit 40 goals again like he's going right, to hit this year. But Yeah, and I'm not saying that's 8.5 worthy at all if he scores 30 goals and 70 points for the next couple of years. But I feel like just if you're making a contract with him, you can't just say like, hey, you're going to be terrible in the next couple of years. Like, I know you're having a great year this year, but you're going to be like just brutal. But so it's... Like, it's- it's not just that. It's it's also looking at the past. You know what I mean? Like, he, for sure, he's he's hit sixty points once in his career before this year. Yeah, like that's is that true. is that worth eight and a half just because he's breaking out at, at like twenty eight years old? He's probably just going to fall back to the player that he was before, you know, and, and be like a sixty point guy, thirty goals, sixty point guy. Which I don't think that's eight and a half million. No, that's that's definitely fair. Our third to last team here is the Washington Capitals. Uh, we've kind of briefly gone over pretty much all their trades. Uh, they sent Lars Eller uh, to the Avs for a second-round pick. Uh, they got Sandine, which we went into a lot earlier in the episode. Uh, Johansson was something that we went over in the last episode when we were talking about the uh, Minnesota Wild. And then, obviously, we kind of briefly touched on uh, what they got in, in exchange for Dmitry Orlov. So I, we've kind of already gone over this team a lot. Um I'm not a huge fan of them giving up Orlov, especially when they're they're not out of a playoff race by any means. Uh, I feel like Orlov is definitely a guy that can help them push uh, push them into the playoffs. But uh, they got Sandine, which is an awesome trade for them. So um, I feel like just based off the Sandine trade alone, honestly, I, I got to give them a B. Yeah, I, I I'm all right with the Orlov trade because I don't think he was going to resign. You know, he was a pending UFA. Same with Hathaway, both on expiring deals. Right, that's and they true. got that's and true. they got back a first and second and third round pick, which that's is true. really good for a team that needs picks. And then they got a future top pair defenseman, in my opinion, in Rasmus Sandin, for just a first and a, and a guy who they weren't even going to resign in Eric Gustafson. And then they also got a second round pick for Lars Eller. So overall, they got what? What did they get? A first round pick, two second round picks, and two third round picks, and a future top pair defenseman, in my opinion. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and while they did give up a lot, and they probably aren't going to make the playoffs now because of trading guys like Orlov and Hathaway, I think that they're kind of admitting that they're not, they can't make a run anymore. So they're kind of loading up on picks and they're getting a guy like Sandy to turn their franchise around. I'm a huge fan of what the Capitals did. I'm giving them an A. Yeah, I completely forgot that. Orlov and Hathaway and Gustafson, they were on expiring deals. I, I completely forgot about that. So that definitely makes a lot more sense. Like all those guys are pretty much in a win now situation and uh, the Capitals aren't really exactly that anymore. So yeah, that's that's my mistake. I completely forgot that they were on uh, expiring deals. So um, originally I had them at a B. I, I think this is also an A actually. Yeah, sometimes you kind of have to look, look at it from like a business perspective. You know what I mean? Like as much as Orlov is worth probably more than they got for him, like 
he, they probably only had like 25 games left of him. He was probably just going to sign somewhere else, right? So that's why it's probably a good trade for them too. So second to last is the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we kind of briefly talked about their GM situation there, but uh, they didn't really make too many big trades. They gave up Isaac Radcliffe ex- in exchange for future considerations. Uh, they got Brendan Lemieux in a 2024 fifth-round pick in exchange for Zach McEwen. So that's definitely their biggest trade this deadline. Uh, and they also acquired a 2023 sixth-round pick in exchange for Patrick Brown uh, going to the Ottawa Senators. I uh, I like this trade deadline for, uh, for the Flyers. Um, they got some picks and they gave up some players. Uh, that weren't going to really uh, help them in the future, I, I don't believe. So, uh, Brendan Lemieux, he definitely plays on that edge. Uh, he plays on that line that almost uh, we, we talked about earlier with Bertuzzi and uh, the rest of the Boston Bruins. But as far as a grade for the Flyers, uh, I'm going to give him a C. I think if Lemieux had uh, more term on his contract, uh, this would be potentially a B. But he's a free agent at, at the end of this year, and uh, unless... The Flyers pay him, or unless he wants to come back, which I don't see extremely likely, um, I'm going to have to give this a C. Yeah, I, I, I like the Lemieux trade. Like, I, I don't see how it makes much sense for the Kings. Like, Lemieux and McEwen are pretty similar players, and then I would argue Lemieux's even better. McEwen's pretty much just like a fourth line enforcer, just for fights. Sure. And Lemieux is prob- probably brings a little bit more, a little bit more skill. And then they, Philly also got a fifth round pick. So I'd say they won that trade. Yeah, I'm going to go with a C as well. All right. So now for our last team, we got the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they actually made quite a few deals and uh, they were flipping a couple of guys. So their first trade that they had uh, was a Gustav Nyquist trade. Uh, I, I believe we've already gone into this. So uh, they made that one. But another one they made, which we've also gone over, uh, the Corpusalo and Gavrikov, uh, they gave up and they got quick in 2023. Uh, first round pick, 2024, third round pick. Uh, they gave up Voracek, which is also a huge uh, deal for them because they shut it off 8.25 million cap right there uh, in exchange for a guy who's in the AHL. So they, they just got a lot of money there. And then they flipped quick to the Golden Knights in exchange for uh, a seventh round pick in Michael Hutchinson. So the Blue Jackets were definitely a lot busier than I thought they would be this year. But as far as the grade, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of giving up Corpusalo and Gavrikov. Uh, I know that they got two picks in exchange for it, but uh, the Kings' first-round pick isn't going to be anything special this year. It's going to be definitely a lower one. So I feel like, all in all, I'm probably going to have to give this a C. Uh, they gave up two good players in, in Corpus Allen and Gavkov, like I said, but just getting that uh, 8.25 off of the books from Voracek is kind of bringing it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said. I, I think just getting a first-round pick at all from just Gavrikov and Corpusalo is why I'm going to give them a B. I think it was really smart of them to take on uh, Jonathan Quick's contract and then flip him right away. They kind of used that negative value, I guess you could say, that Quick had because of his contract. They used that against the Kings to give up more, and then they just got rid of Quick right away his, and his money. And they also got rid of the Nyquist and Voracek contract. So, yeah, for all that... I, I, I like what they did for the most part. I, I'm going to give them a B. All right, so that's going to do it for our two episodes on the trade deadline review. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun going through each team and giving them grades, so uh, definitely something we can see ourselves doing in the future, hey? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, just going through each team, grading how uh, how we thought they did in the deadline. And if you guys didn't know, we have a Instagram account at elbows.up.podcast. Uh, so, you know, give them a follow. 
uh, you can comment on there. A, a lot of times after we post, we'll put up polls. You can poll there. You can, you know, you can DM us and ask or request to do certain ideas. Let us know what you guys want to hear from more. We're, we're pretty active on there, like at least three posts a week. So make sure to give us a follow. All right. So with that all being said, uh, that's going to do it for episode 12. Thanks for listening and have a good one.